You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Kilfer. And I probably have nothing funny to say this week. <laughs> um, except for that. Yeah. <laughs> we are continuing our month of black-directed horror celebrating Black History Month with uh, episode 171, Antebellum. From 2020, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Directed by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz. This is actually the first full-length feature for both of them. They've done a lot of like music videos and short films, but so this was kind of like their freshman outing as a film, um, and it's it's uh, it's something. So I guess we're gonna go around the table here and uh, see what everyone thinks. Susie, I'm gonna throw it over to you first. What are what are your thoughts on this movie? I like this movie. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to watch. Like this is the second time I've seen it, mm-hmm. and both times I watched it. From the get-go, you're tense, and it just does not let up for yep. quite a while. And then when it starts to let up, it's like, oh, we're right back where we were before. <laughs> yeah, you get that brief moment of levity. You're like, oh, I can breathe again. No, I can't. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Gabourey Sibity. <laughs> yep, exactly. I liken this to that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, yeah. except it's way more fucked up than that yep. movie. Like. I never realized, yeah, you're right, though. That does have a lot of similarities. Yeah, it's... Except this is better than (coughs) The Village. Yes, that that too. I mean, it's just, this is a really well-done film. Mm -hmm. They really make you uncomfortable. It's, excuse me, historically speaking, I think it's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Um, I do have a couple things that I don't like about it, like... The first time I saw it, I was confused and was like, wait, is it, where's, it's a flashback, but wait, is it a flashback? Like, it doesn't set up the, yeah. the premise of how it all happens very well. So I was yeah. very confused the first time I watched it until the very end. Mm-hmm. But I, I recommend this, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, dear listener, that if you listen to Get Out, this is even, this is on par with yeah, Get Out. Yeah, so. it's, it's a strap in and, and be ready for tears type of movie. Yeah, not strap on, but no. strap in. <laughs> okay, two funnies. But I was going to say, when you had mentioned the confusion and there's a few things that you didn't really like, that's kind of what I was talking about uh, before we started recording, where I said there there were moments that I was like, okay, it feels a bit amateurish. Like, you can tell this is a freshman film. Um, where there are moments in the storytelling where it seems a little confusing, a little jarring, mm-hmm. like things don't kind of meld like they should. Um, and as far as the ending goes, I'm just going to kind of say this right now, the ending, while it's good, it feels very abrupt. Like yes. it, it doesn't feel like they, ra- it almost feels like they dragged out the middle for too long and then we're like, shit, we got to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like, it was, it was almost like when you're watching a, a sitcom in the 80s and you're like, there's only five more minutes left. How are they going to... Oh, this is going to be a two-parter, isn't it? Yeah. It was like that, where you kind of felt like it was rushing toward the end. 
Um, but I also had know. questions about the end, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah, um, I do too. I think I agree with you there. I think that they needed to wrap it up, so they did it in a very rushed fashion. Mm-hmm. And then they used the end credit scenes yes. to try to put a neat bow on it. Mm-hmm. I would have I would have liked to see a little bit more of Eden quote right. Eden's journey journey yeah. at the very end. Well, you can tell the way this ends, like the very final <clears throat> sequence, you can kind of tell that their background is music videos. Mm-hmm. Because visually it's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, the whole movie is beautiful. Oh, absolutely, but that that final sequence, it's breathtaking the way they shot it. Mhm. But it's just music and pretty visuals, and you kind of lose the story for a moment. Yeah. And that was when you needed that wrap-up. You needed that resolution. And then it was almost like the credit, the, you know, you get the title card and the credits, and you're like, the fuck? And then you get the, the couple of scenes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, alright. But, well, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What are your thoughts on this one? I, I think it's a good movie. Um, I was actually going to see it in the theater when it was out, but I never got a chance didn't so, this get rushed out of theaters because of COVID? Yeah, I that's what I thought because so. it was it was in. <clears throat> I think it went to theaters right before shit started shutting down. Yeah, it was one of the first movies that streamed though after mm-hmm. the shutdown, so it was on TV real quick. I like it. It's very it's hard to watch mm-hmm. at times, but uh, it's an enjoyable movie, and I agree with what you guys were saying. You know, with the inexperience of the directors and stuff, but. Um, I love Janelle Monet. I think mm-hmm. she's a great actress. Yeah. Oh, and she is so beautiful <laughs> and gorgeous. The oh, yeah. transformation, yeah, is just fantastic. Yeah, no, she she was impressive in this movie. She she carried the whole the whole film. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I I was telling you guys earlier. I loved how Don was <laughs> hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh, she yeah. kind of broke up the. We we needed that levity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she broke it up. Uh, Eric Lang was really good as him. Oh, God, um, he was such a... Ooh. I, you just wanted to kill him yourself. Yeah, him and Jasper. I was like, you both of you fuckers. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah. And who's the real fucking bitch? Oh, Elizabeth. Oh, oh I actually yeah. have that in my notes. Yeah. Uh, Jenna Malone, she's a great actress, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made you just want to stab her right in the eyes, too. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, <laughs> it's funny because they're music directors, but... Some of the music in and it kind of like sounded like the '90s X-Men theme a little bit. Actually, yeah, I can hear that. <laughs> I can definitely. Hear I kept that. on hearing that throughout the movie, but I I thought the music in it. Or he was good. waiting for Wolverine to come out and just yeah. fucking people up. You know, maybe he should have. No, I would like that better. Simon Jasper and mm-hmm. Daniel. Oh yeah, Daniel. He was another cunt. I'm gonna say Papa Claw on him, fucker. But, uh, mode that should have been swallowed. Yeah. Same thing um, with Purcell. Oh, yeah. What a name. Purcell. Yeah, Purcell your lips around that dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Maurice, we keep cutting you off. That's all right. Um, but I like the music in it. Um, acting, like I said, the acting was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dom was great. Janelle Monet was great. It was just... It... It got like a low rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes I saw on IMDb. I don't know if it's because people were hate watching it or, you know, were these 
a friendly neighborhood of races. Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, this might have touched a nerve with a few white nationalists. Yeah, so you know, I, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. I overall, I enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my <clears> second time seeing it. I'm not in a rush to see it again because of no. the content, but no. it is a good movie. And um, if you want to see a good horror film directed by two this director, yeah, two, uh, watch this. It's really good. Um, matter of fact, I had to rent it on Prime, and I just ended up buying it. because I it was, did the same thing. It was only seven ninety nine to buy yeah. it. So I was like, well, let's just spend $4. You know, yeah, I'd, I'd probably watch again now because... I own it, but... Not for a while. Not yeah. for a while, but, you know, maybe uh, I'll sit down one day and want to see it again. It's... Well, see, I... Because I, I did the same thing you did. I, I ended up buying it. I mean, mainly because I knew I was going to have to watch it multiple times for, for this podcast. Because um, there, it, it's just... It's one of those movies that's not easy to make notes on, so it's kind of like I, I'd have to keep going back and checking it out. And I also knew that I wasn't going to be able to, to sit for a full session... And spend a long time with this film. Um, like, I knew that I was going to be able to, to make my notes, but then at the same time, I'm like, do I really want to sit here for, like, five hours, like, going back and forth with this movie? Um, no. No, you Yeah, not. and that's exactly why I'm like, you know what, let me just buy it. Um, but no, I did watch it when it first came out, and it was kind of a blur, because, well, 2020, everybody was going through a horrible time. Yeah. And, um... It it kind of just blurred into the background of like I remember watching it at home being like, Well that was that was a that was an intense movie. I liked it. And then that was kind of that. I didn't watch it again. Um and then when the, the fans voted for this to be on uh this for this month, I just sat there going, Oh fuck, how are we gonna talk about this one? Because I knew it was a hard, you know, a hard watch. And after his house and then get out, it's like, Oh god, I can't wait for next month just because I need some levity again. Not that these aren't great films, mind you. I have recommended His House to, like, everybody after watching it. Um, and again, this is one of those films I would also highly recommend. It's it's a very well-made film for the most part. Like mm-hmm. I said, I do have my complaints about uh, certain story aspects, about how it connects together, like the pacing. But the actors, every one of them fucking delivered beautifully. I think this might be the most serious month we've ever had. Oh, it definitely is. Um, I think the only one to rival it is Serial Killer Month. But yeah. at least with Serial Killer Month, we had Gacy. You know, which is silly. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, this this has definitely been a hard, uh, a hard month to get through because the movies are really good, but they're very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely like this movie. I definitely would recommend it. It's, like I said many times, it's not an easy watch. Um, much like his house and get out, be expected to be, you know, be in your feelings after watching the movie. Cause man, it, it, it stays with you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get into the cast. We mentioned some of them. We have, uh, Janelle Monet playing Veronica slash Eden. Uh, we would know her from Moonlight, Homecoming, We the People. She does voices for Human Resources and Lady in the, Lady in the Tramp, the live action one. And most recently, she was in Glass Onion, which the, is a good movie. The fantastic. I still need Glass to watch Onion. it. I, oh, I've been putting it off. I need to get actually get. Or as I call it, onions out. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do need to watch it. Uh, then we have Senator Denton slash him, played by Eric Lang. We know him from Bones, My Name Is Earl, Lost, Grimm, CSI, Law and Order, Nightcrawler, and brand new Cherry Flavor. 
He's in a lot of stuff, a lot of television. He was in Brand New Cherry Flavor. Mm-hmm. That's a good show if you haven't watched it. I started it and I never got back to it. I need to. It's, you should. It's, it's one worth of those your things. Time. Yeah, it's one of those things where I watched the first episode. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I, you know, I should watch this, but never got to it. Um, then we have Elizabeth, played by Jenna Malone. We would know her from Donnie Darko, Saved the Ruins, Sucker Punch, uh, Hunger Games Part Two, The Neon Demon, and Stardust. Then we have Eli slash Professor Terasai. Um, I'm probably going to say this wrong. I think it's Tengai. Tengai? Is that how you say that? Tengai. Let me let me look on the digital piece. Tengai Kurisa. Tengai Kurisa. Something like that. I'm horrible. I would names. say Tengai. Tengai. Sharisa. Sharisa. He was really good in the movie. So yeah. He was in uh, NCIS, American Horror Story, Sleepy Hollow, iZombie, and The Mayfair Witches. Then we have Captain Jasper, played by Jack Houston. He was in Shrooms, which I would love to get on this show, because that's an underrated silly horror film. Uh, Twilight Eclipse, like, whoa. Uh, American Hustle, Pride and Prejudice with Zombies, Hail Caesar, and the Fargo television show. And then, as you guys mentioned, Dawn... Uh, how do you say her name? I always say it wrong. Gabourey Sibidi. Thank you. That's how I say it. Uh, she's in Precious, American Horror Story, Gravy, and Empire. Um, so for anyone that's listening to this and doesn't know what this movie is, first of all, you should probably stop here and go go watch the movie first. Because yeah. um, we're going to spoil the hell out of it. But the plot is a success, ugh, successful author, Veronica Henley, finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. So basically the whole movie you're questioning what's happening until about the last 20 minutes. And then you're like, oh, oh, oh God. Yep. So we open with a quote. Uh, it says, the past is never dead. It's not even the past. This is the William Faulkner quote. Um, so basically meaning every moment of one's past is part of who they are. Therefore, the past exists in the present within you. So... Uh, we're now treated to an extremely disturbing and emotional opening. Oh. Where, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time with this part. Uh, we see a large plantation house and a happy little girl skipping over to her mother who greets her lovingly. We pan around the side and we see Confederate soldiers marching along the property, leading back to the, uh, to the backyard where we see slaves working. Uh, we follow them further back to the slave cabins where we see more slaves hard at work. And eventually around back of that, we see a woman barely conscious being yanked off the back of a horse. We see soldiers run past her and surround, uh, I'm sorry, we see soldiers run past her and surround uh, a man, st- start wrestling him down, uh, and a black woman is on the ground in front of him crying. She gets to her feet and runs. We now see a Confederate officer, which we'll find out is Jasper, uh, chase her down on his horse and lasso her around the throat, pulling her to the ground. Uh, this, this whole sequence is juxtaposed by the man screaming as he's kept being captured and restrained. Uh, the woman struggles to get away and just tells the officer to just kill her. He, oh, he tells I will her, oblige you, my dear. Oh, yeah. And then he gets up and shoots her. And then um, they drag her dead body back to the house. Behind the horse. Behind the horse. And that scene is haunting. You know what got me was uh, when we find out the guy who was captured is Eli. Mm-hmm. The look on his face when she gets shot. Yeah. Like, oh. mm. but yeah. Let me get the title card, and I'm always, I'm already like, fuck you, movie. <laughs> and it does, guys. It we are serious when we say it does not let up. No. For quite a while. I'm having a hard time just talking about this, but yeah, I mean, this is like 12 minutes into the film. Yeah. Like, 
it's uh, it's it's very hard to watch. Um, now there there's a few a few sequences here that are like just visual that you'll see like they come into play later. Um, so we see it's it's at nightfall. We see them lowering the lowering the Confederate flag, and we pan by a brick shed with smoke billowing out of it and fire crackling. That's going to be very important throughout the entire film. This yes. also we need to mention that the woman who was shot mm-hmm. had a gold yes. cross around her neck. Yep. That's going to be very important in a little bit. Oh my god, I'm getting I know I'm getting emotional thinking about that sequence because Jesus Christ, I had to stop the movie there because I was tearing up. I was like, oh no 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 no. Now I have a question. Hmm. What were they restraining him with? It looked like it it was like it, a collar, but it had bells. bells. It's <clears throat> so they yeah, know if he's gonna get get away. Or, anytime he moves, it makes yeah. noise. Uh, um, I forget what that's called, but that actually was uh, a slave okay. thing, and back in the day where they would collar you with the bells. So, like, if you know, if you weren't supposed to be going anywhere, they would know. If and you were. yeah, and so they usually did it with. Uh, it was like the first tactic for escaped slaves. It's it's horrible. Um, so we cut to the woman who is taken away from the horseback in one of the cabins. We see the general comes in and complains that he has to question. He he complains he needs to question where her loyalties lie. She says nothing. He tells her to say her name. When she refuses, he takes off his belt and begins to beat her. Uh, the scene culminates with her with him branding her with a hot iron on her back. While telling her, your friends are dead because of you. Try to escape again, and I'll drag you to the burning shed myself. It's like, Jesus Christ. And that's when we find out that the burning shed is the crematorium. Yep. Can you imagine how awful that must have smelled? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was going, like, every day. Like, they were killing people, like, every fucking day. Yep. Um, Seemingly satisfied, the general leaves and tells her what he wants for supper tomorrow. So maybe chicken. I can get away. Maybe you make us a chicken or something. Right. And I'm like, so pretty quick, at least two of, we, at least two of the villains that we've met, we want to see violently murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we cut to six weeks later. We see the slaves working in the fields. Uh, we hear what sounds like gunfire and explosions in the distance. Uh, the officer, which, like I said, we found out is Captain Jasper, uh, tells them that uh, not to be distracted and to sing them a song. The slaves, uh, slaves begin whistling a song while they work. We see two slaves, uh, one whispers under his breath to the other that they need to get away from these crazy fuckers. Immediately, Jasper is on him, beating him with the butt of his rifle, telling him to shush, and then uh, he says next time he won't be so generous. He then tells the others to get back to work. So basically, they're not allowed to even speak to each other. Mm -hmm. Um, We cut to Eden in her cabin. We see her greasing the hinges on her door. This is going to be a constant theme throughout the movie. And it's very important. It is. Uh, there's a knock at the door uh, from the slave that was captured at the beginning. We find out this is Eli. She answers. She, she answers the man and tells. Or, she answers the door and the man tells her quietly, "We must try again." Just then, we see a cart of new slaves being brought onto the property. Jasper calls Eden over to, while they inspect the slaves. Now, mm, this part. So we see uh, the woman from the beginning of the film is Elizabeth and her her little daughter. Um, little ins- daughter, no name. Yeah, they just call her little blonde girl in the credits. Um, they're inspecting the slaves. The woman has her daughter name one of them Julia. Like, just the level of de- dehumanization here is so fucking angering. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but Jasper addresses the slaves, telling them that this here is a reformer plantation. 
commandeered by the 9th Infantry of the Confederate Army of the 13 States. Whatever you were before, whatever small freedoms you might have enjoyed, I'm here to tell you that's all over. So he basically goes on to give them the rules, talking about how you can't speak to anyone, including each other, unless given permission by one of the white folk on the property, and that uh, they are to diligently do their chores with a smile. And he says, we whistle while we work here. I was like, fucking gross. (sighs) But he dismisses them, and Eden leads the group away. One of the women asks, what is this? Is the woman that the little girl named Julia? Uh, And Eden silences her immediately, not wanting the soldiers to overhear. Cut to Eden in her cabin. She's running her hand along a scratched part of the wall. We'll find out what what that's all about later. But we see she, every time we cut back to her, like, silent in the cabin, she's running her hand along this scratched mark in the wall. Um, There's a knock at the door. She composes herself and then takes long strides to the door, being very particular about which floorboard she steps on. Again, this is going to be important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She answers the door, and it's Eli, and he says, when? She shuts the door on him and heads back to her bed. There's suddenly another knock. She goes to answer the door, and this time it's the woman named Julia. Uh, Eden pulls her inside. The uh, Julia tells her that she can't do this. Whatever is going on here, she needs, she needs to get out. She asks, so what's the plan? Eden tells her to be quiet, explaining that she's tried this before, and then she shows her the burn scar on her back. Julia tells her, I know you, I know who, you're, who you are, and you're, you're our only way out of here. She then tells her that she's pregnant. So now we find out, just to add a little more salt to the wound, that Julia's pregnant. And under the first watch, you're like, what do you mean I know who you are? Right, exactly. So it's like, there's little, little comments peppered yeah. throughout. Mm-hmm. But Eden uh, tells her to keep quiet or these white people will kill her. Julia asks, what has that ever gotten us? She tells her, you ain't no leader, you're just a talker. Eden forces her out of the cabin. Julia calls her a coward with a brand and no backbone. And I love this shot here because she forces her out of the room and you see, like, it's a split camera view on either side of the door. You see Julia, like, trying desperately to compose herself but so angry. Like, she wants to pound on the door but she knows she's out in the open Mm -hmm. and she could get in trouble. So she's, like, holding it back. And we see Eden on the other side of the door, like, holding the door shut, shaking with her eyes closed. Like, so it's just, ugh. It's, it's, it's a really good shot, but fuck. It's, yeah. it's, in, uh, it's intense. But um, just the way it shows fear and anger in equal measure, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but that night we see the soldiers marching home, chanting blood and soil. I was like, oh, fucking gross. Yeah. But... We see them in a large tent out back having dinner as the slaves wait on them. Uh, the general arrives and gives the men a speech all about how they're winning the war against the North and Washington is within their sights. He goes on to talk about how they are descendants of the gods and will continue to fight as such and preserve their heritage and way of life. Fucking gross. Uh, he finishes this little disgusting speech by telling them to drink and be merry for the night, and then reminds them that the slaves are there to fulfill their every needs, whatever those needs may be. Hmm. Yeah. Did we mention this is hard to watch? <laughs> Absolutely fucking disgusting. It's, uh, God, is it intense. But we then get a moment where one of the soldiers calls Julia over and tells her that his buddy Daniel thinks she's pretty. We get this awkward back and forth where the soldier tries to talk to her until Jasper steps in and tells her to go to her cabin and prepare herself for the soldier. It's like, ugh. So if that wasn't enough to make your blood boil, the other soldier laughs and tells his buddy to enjoy, and then so it says, I'm going to go around back to the whipping post. It's like, 
can we just shoot these fuckers already? Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes it even worse when we find out what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. It just, ugh, yeah. Now, this whole movie, it's like, I don't think it's possible to watch this movie and not, like, pause multiple times to be like, fuck you! Like, yeah. <laughs> I had to keep pausing the movie and recomposing <clears throat> myself. But we cut to the cabin with Julia and the soldier. Uh, like I said, we find out his name is Daniel. She tries to talk to him and be nice, and she notices that he doesn't seem to want to be there. She tries to tell him that she can see he's not like the others, but Daniel decides to prove what a fucking monster he truly is and flips out. You know what the scariest thing about this scene is? Hmm. Because the way it's set up when they're all in the tent eating, Mm -hmm. and he's so apprehensive to call her over, and then when he first enters her cabin, you think for a second... Yeah, like maybe he's going to help her. Yeah, and then he, what, he slaps her, he backhands her, and yeah. essentially throws her across the room. Did, well, he first he t- said, did you speak to me? Or? Yeah, he goes, why yeah. did you speak yeah. to me? And she goes, she goes, what, before? And he goes, when I first came into the cabin. And she's like, oh, I, I thought we should get to know each other. And he goes, who gave you permission to speak? And, and that's like, when he, his oh, face changes. No. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, and wrestling pop, pop. turns. He had the there was his heel turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he he smacks her and then starts screaming about how he doesn't want to sleep with a filthy mongrel, but he only wants to be with his kind. It's like, and if you didn't hate him enough at this point, folks, he uh, kicks her in the the belly. Yeah, and he tells her, "You better make Jasper believe I had my way with you." So he does. I think he does feel bad though after he kicks her though. He did. You can, he, yeah. He, he knows, does. I think he knows she's pregnant. Yeah. He kind of recoils for a moment and then stomps out. Yeah. And it's like still though. I, I at this point I'm like I want to see him get hung up by his nuts. Oh yeah. So do I. <laughs> like, I. I think he like. You know, not that he's a decent person. But no, no, no. Like I, I, think I get he what you're saying. Up. There's well, it's like it's like in Last House on the Left. I always talk about this. How these horrible fucking people, you know rape and murder these two girls and then there's that brief moment where they're all just kind of looking at each other and they all almost seem disgusted with what they just did mm-hmm. and then and, yeah and then they go right back to yep. but it's like this is very similar where there's that brief moment of humanity that you see on his face like oh shit what did i do and then he just goes right back to being a dick and it's like i do appreciate that in a horror movie like mm-hmm. this because it reminds you that people are the biggest monsters yeah you know but it's it's uh it's hard to watch but uh, the next day, we see the battered and bruised Julia heading out to the field to join the others, already working. Uh, Jasper tells her that he'll forgive her her tardiness this time. but This if she, one time. Yeah, but if she makes a habit of it, the stocks will be waiting. Hmm. And <sighs> she can barely walk. Yeah, she's bruised up. She's, oh. And then she goes next to Ooh. Eden. When she says, please. Oh, that <laughs> breaks my heart. And then all of a sudden, she starts screaming, yep. and the camera pans down, and you see that she's miscarrying. Mm-hmm. And Jasper doesn't give <sighs> a fuck. No, he well, he hears her scream, and he starts to ride over, and Eli sees right. what's going on, and he goes, "Cracker, cracker!" <laughs> I'm sorry, I laughed at that because he's like, "What the fuck, did you say?" <laughs> I was like, "You are a cracker ass, cracker motherfucker," and that's what he calls him, like a cracker ass, cracker. <laughs> But, so, uh, <clears throat> after oh he God. calls him Cracker, he uh, Jasper goes over to Eden and asks what's going on. 
She tells him Julia is sick. He sees the blood and is completely disgusted. Go, go clean, clean yourself up. up. Yeah. yeah, and then Eden's like, you know, <coughs> can I go with her? And he's like, she can handle herself. And then Julia falls over. And he's like, ah, just get her out of here. Go clean her up. Yeah, so they take off. And then, then Eli gets it with the butt of the gun. Well, he comes, it's uh, it's Eli, or Jasper and the soldiers come up. He doesn't hit him here yet. Oh, that's he right. He gets in right. his face and he goes, um, basically there's this whole back and forth where he's like, what did you say, boy? And like, there's that whole yeah. demeaning bullshit. Yeah. Um, Jasper taunts him about his wife being dead. He's like, maybe you're missing your woman. And it's like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> um, and then he reminds him, he's like, or he says, maybe if you go clean out the burning shed... You know, it'll remind you to keep quiet. And he that's when he says his, his line about far too many uppity, horrible words yeah. uh, have been, you know, been put in there lately. So basically he tells you they've been killing a lot of people. And it, he's sending him there to clean it, one, mm-hmm. to teach him, remind him of what could happen. Mm-hmm. And two, because then Jasper walks away and goes to the cleaning, to the burning <clears throat> shed you mean Eli? Eli, yes, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Jasper should, well. Yeah. <laughs> we'll it. find out later. Eli walks to the burning shed and mm-hmm. he opens it and it's still, you can see that it's still smoldering. Yeah. And he looks down oh. and there's just, I'm getting really upset talking about this. Mm-hmm. There's just ashes her, her, and bone fragments. And he finds her cross. Yeah. And he finds her gold necklace <laughs> and he just sits down oh, he, and puts the necklace on. And he just has a complete breakdown. Yeah. He's just so angry that the only thing he can do to express himself and not get killed mm-hmm. is to rip his own shirt off and scream in silence. Yeah, he just tears at his clothes. It's, oh, my God. Whew, it's hard to watch. Um, a little question, though, just to kind of break up the horribleness of this sequence. Would a gold necklace really still make it through the fire like that? I don't know about the the melting properties of gold. <laughs> I feel like it would... Uh, I think it needs to be really hot to melt. Oh, okay. Well, I well, thought it would be kind of hot to... Yeah. It be really hot to burn a body to ash. Yeah, but... Let's see. What temperature When you see melt get, or gold get melted, it's usually like... Like super, super yeah. hot. I'm going to consult the bones. It turns into like a liquid. Yeah, so... Well, I was just curious because I thought gold had a lower melting point than other metals. Um, maybe it's not real gold. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but. A crematorium has to be, okay, so it has to be between 1400 and 1600 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Um, and this is just, this is the first thing that came up, that now laws require that there are two chambers First for the combustion of the... Dis- I'm not going to get into that. But between 14 and 1600 degrees for a body. And what is the melting? So we have the temperature that a body is cremated at. Gold will melt at 1948 degrees Fahrenheit. So yes, the, much, necklace, much, much. the necklace would survive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's shed. good. So, Because I, I didn't look it up, but I was like... I thought gold melted at a low melting point, so I guess I'm wrong. So that night we see uh, the general just humping on Eden. He rolls off of her like a fucking sloppy pig and tells her, Sweet dreams. He is a fucking sloppy pig. (laughs) Exactly. He's like, Sweet dreams, Eden. And then just fucking passes out in his own filth. 
And later that night... Then he even shits the bed. Oh, I'm sure he does. He looks like the type. He does. (laughs) You're one of them there bed shitters, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm on... Three, three funnies. (laughs) No, I'm just picturing train spotting. I'm not even going to attempt to take a drink. <laughs> oh, but anyway, so later that night we see Eden asleep in bed. There's a sudden telephone ring and she wakes up. She picks up the phone on a nightstand in a completely different room with a completely different man laying in bed next to her. And then you're like, what the fuck is going on when you yes. get the phone ring? The person on the phone <laughs> refers to her as V and reminds her that she has a flight at 845. She thanks her and hangs up. And this is where Act 1 ends. So what do you guys think at this is, point? This is like the Barbarian. Yeah. Where it's <laughs> like, what? Did the movie change? Oh, that's another one I wanted to add to my list of movies we need to cover. Did yes. You, you, see, you saw that, oh, right? I fucking love Barbarian. Yeah. I where, love they, where they cut too. to the car. Uh, yeah, with Justin uh, Long. Long. Yeah. It's like, what? <laughs> like, what happened? Did I miss something? I rewound it because I thought I, I did miss something. I did too. I'm like, okay, I know I blinked, but I didn't blink that long. What the fuck? <laughs> But no, Barbarian is, whew, that's a damn good movie. I hate every single white person in this movie. Mm-hmm. Every single. Except Sarah. We've, she's okay. Yeah, Sarah's okay. Yeah. Everybody else is <laughs> a horrible person. Yeah. Wait, have we met Sarah yet? No, yeah, no. At, at this point, no, yeah, oh, so right. far. At the, so, at the end yeah. of Act One, yes. I hate every single white person in this movie. They are cracker ass crackers. Yeah. I, oof. Dis- absolutely disgusting. I hate every person in this village. Yeah. <laughs> And this, you the bad guys have hit to... the nail on the head. This is why I bet a lot of people disliked it, because this is showing <clears throat> those uncomfortable truths that mm-hmm. us white people don't want to see. Don't want to see, and like just a lot of white people. I hate to say be... it, but I'm sure this probably goes on somewhere around here. Honestly, well, this is the scary thing about it. Much like with, with Get Out, like you can see some crazy fucking group trying yeah. something like that. <laughs> 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 oh, what was that? Santis. Oh, a mag- MAGA supporter? <laughs> but it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Like, yeah. this is, and that's probably a lot of white people hated this movie because yeah. they were like, ooh. I think it's a combination of. There's a lot of people... Because, I mean, look at all the hate Jordan Peele got. There was a lot of white horror fans who were like, Oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. Why? Well, I don't like it. Why? Well, I don't like it. It's like, they have no fucking good reason other than it made them feel uncomfortable and they didn't like it. They hated him for this movie. It's like... Yeah, he didn't even have anything to do with it. Well, he he's was a producer. A produ- yeah, he's yeah. a producer. That's oh, it. Oh, I didn't know Jordan Peele yeah, produced he, this. No, he just he threw some money at it. He just yeah. backed it. Because like, he, he had the, nothing to do with the actual yeah, production. Yeah, because when the movie first came out, we were all like, "Oh, cool, another Jordan Peele movie." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh no, he's just a producer." Because they did with this the same thing that that they, they did with Candyman. With, no, I was gonna say with Hostel. With you remember, they were like, yeah. "Quentin Tarantino presents," and it's like, "No, no, no, it's not a Quentin Tarantino movie." Like. He kind of discovered Eli Roth, right? You know, but um, but yeah, like Jordan Peele put some money up okay. for this film. I didn't know that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was heavily early in the marketing campaign. It was very like leaning on the name of Jordan Peele. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that that also could be a reason why a lot of people dismissed it because there was a lot of people who were already oh like his movies after watching Get Out because like we talked about last week. Yep. It proves a point. Mm-hmm. It makes white people feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, you 
there's there is a time and place for that type of stuff in horror, mm-hmm. and I feel like horror is like the perfect vehicle to show people those things that make them uncomfortable mm-hmm. and kind of force them to look at it for a while. Um, it's kind of like the whole rape revenge movies. Like I can't, I literally cannot watch those movies because they really bother me to the point where I have to turn them off. Like I've seen I Spit on Your Grave once. I've seen Last House on Your Left or on the Left once. You know, and the original I, or the remakes? The original. I've never seen the remakes. Um, because after seeing the originals, I'm like, I don't want to watch these again. But my point is, it's showing you something that does happen. You know, it's like, it, it's, there's a place in that for horror. It's so funny that this is, this is the second reference to... Last House on the Left that I made? No. <laughs> it is, but... It is, but today, because before we even had dinner... Mm-hmm. We were talking about online dating, and I said, we will never forget, never forget, <laughs> the PT Cruiser guy who wanted to trick it out like a dragon. That's the movie we went to go see, was the remake of the last of Last House on the Left, mm-hmm. and I laughed at all the inappropriate parts, <laughs> like when he gets his hand stuck in the, um, why can I never think of what it's called? I don't know. The garbage right. disposal. Ah. I started cackling. <laughs> And he still wanted me to go. He wanted to take me to see Metallica after that. <laughs> like, no, dude. Not even to see Metallica. <laughs> this ain't gonna work. But what? anyway, I hate all the white people we've met so far. Mm. Even the little girl. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I, mm, coming up, I'm gonna hate her even more. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know what scene I'm talking about. Yep. But yeah, the whole first 40 minutes is just ridiculously hard to watch. Like, the, this, this first act takes roughly 40 minutes. And leaving shivers. Yeah, like by the end of it, you you need to take a breather. And thank God this sequence is in the movie because like it, it makes it's like it's still uncomfortable. There's still a lot of fucked up shit that happens. Like there's the oh. modern, you know, accepted versions of racism that we see all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like that kind of shit is in this sequence of the movie, but it's uh, it's not as brutal. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, you go, oh, that person fucking sucks. Rather than, oh my god, I want to see them hung upside down by their nutsack. Right. You know? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, Act 2 kicks off. We, we find out that Eden is actually Veronica. Uh, well, we don't know that, that yet. We just know that the person that we thought was Eden is named Veronica. Uh, she's a writer and activist. She's married and has a daughter. Her husband asks if she had another bad dream. And she tells him that she's fine. She gets up out of bed to start getting ready, and we see her back. There's no brand there. So here, mm-hmm. they're setting it up that it was it was a bad dream that she had. At, at this point, I I was thinking that Eden was her ancestor. That was like I somebody. Didn't think of that. Well, because oh, of the quote yeah. at the beginning of the film, where it's like the past isn't dead. And okay. All that. So I was like, okay. So is her past trying like her her bloodline trying to tell her something like? That's where I was going that's an with interesting, it. See, the fact that she... That's a very interesting thing because I just thought that her walking into the bathroom mm-hmm. and starting to lift up her shirt and then touching the spot where we saw her get branded yeah. was almost like her checking, like, was it just a dream? Uh, oh, see, I didn't think of that. Like, I was I was literally... Because she, she kind of holds her back like she's in pain when she gets up out of bed. I mean, when, who of us don't? I was going to say, I do that every day. I was just complaining about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... But yeah, I was thinking like with the the whole dream sequence, the idea of the quote at the beginning of the film, I was like, did this happen to someone in her lineage? Like, is this, 
is the whole like past you know alive in her bloodline like that kind of thing okay um which i think they kind of want you to think because they re they bring up the quote again and she talks about what her nana said about yes your descendants and so i was like is that where they're going with this like but okay. obviously i did not connect those i i connected that that quote is powerful yeah but i didn't connect it where maybe it's her ancestors trying right. to tell her something. Though. I had Hellraiser bloodline on the brain, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Toymaker. Oh, Le Marchand. Oh, Angelique. <laughs> one of these days we'll actually get to the Hellraiser movies. Other than the bad one. Because we already covered that one. <laughs> yep. We, can, we got that one out of the way right right quick. We crossed it off the list. Um, but yeah, we see a Veronica and her family at breakfast. Her husband shows her that she's trending online. And he plays a clip of her on the news debating some old, bald, political pundit uh, about the lives of black people in America. And she shuts his ass down. So here's my thing with this small snippet from the beginning of Act Two. Mm -hmm. She wakes up. It is bright. It is bright in her in her townhouse, townhouse, apartment, condo, wherever they live. So it can't be like 6 a.m. Right. Okay. Yeah. Her car is coming to pick her up to take her to the airport. Eight forty-five. Eight forty-five. Mm-hmm. So this is like the prom night thing. Yes, we're at last. Longest morning long. ever. So she got up. I had this thought too. She she got herself ready. Mm-hmm. Daughter has all of her clothes picked out. Hubby's downstairs making fucking pancakes on a Tuesday. <laughs> right. And she still has time to go sit down in her, I'm just going to assume it's her home office. Mm -hmm. And do a little, like, FaceTime interview. Yeah, and do a FaceTime interview and watch the clip of her putting that nasty-ass man in his place. (laughs) Exactly. It's, yeah, very much, it's, we see this in movies all the time, and I've discussed it being one of my most hated movie tropes, the ticking clock. Mm -hmm. It's it's like, (laughs) what was that, that, uh zombie movie in Las Vegas that came out. Um, Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead. It's like Army of the Dead where you have 15 minutes on the clock and yet he flies across Las Vegas, you know, goes through the building, fights off the zombies, gets the girl, gets back on the helicopter, flies away well before the, bl- the bomb blows and up. And there's still like four minutes and 16 seconds. It's like, damn it, I hate the ticking clock. It drives me <laughs> nuts. But not only that, I also want to take this opportunity to say... Again, how visually beautiful this movie is. Oh, yeah. Her wardrobe is so bright and Mm -hmm. so vibrant, and it just enhances her natural beauty. Yep. Where on the contrast, when we see Eden, Mm -hmm. all of the females... It's all muted. Muted, and I just... I I love the wardrobe for the women in this movie. And again, it's... You figure from two two music video makers, Mm -hmm. like... They're they're looking for those striking visuals. Like yeah. They they have that eye, and her entire apartment, like everything, yeah, from the art, like from the wall decor to like the furniture, everything, it stands out. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's a it's a very beautiful set. Mm-hmm. So you could tell, like they they took a lot of time to make the visuals mm-hmm. very pretty in this movie. And I personally, I think that the very bright colors mm-hmm. just accentuate the beauty of her dark skin. Oh, 100%. I actually, not about clothing, but a co-worker of mine was showing me pictures not too long ago because she was thinking of dyeing her hair. Mm-hmm. And she showed me this one that was like this really vibrant, like dark red. Mm-hmm. 
And again, I think African-American women who have very brightly colored hair, mm-hmm. it just accentuates their natural Oh, beauty. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's <coughs> it's classic chiaroscuro yeah. in the art world. You know, just pitting, like, a light color to a dark color, it accentuates both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, like yeah, it's, it's very visually striking. Here, and then when she's walking in the hotel, that, mm-hmm. like, checkered kind of... And yeah. she I like the lime green thing she's wearing. The later. dress when yeah. they go to dinner. Yes, I just I love, I love her wardrobe throughout mm-hmm. this movie as Veronica. Yeah, no, it's very pretty. But um, yeah, I, I love this scene where she's uh, shutting down the uh, the old the old asshole Elizabeth. Uh, oh no, before Elizabeth, there, yeah, because yep. um, her daughter asks why the man was so angry, and Veronica explains that sometimes what you what you think is anger is actually fear. And then reminds her that things are not always as they appear. So this is a running theme throughout the movie. And she goes, does that make sense? And Kennedy, I love that name. Yeah. Says no. So then Veronica takes it back to simplify it Mm -hmm. so her daughter understands it, saying, do you remember how that girl was not being nice to you in school? And I went there and it was because she was afraid you were going to come in and take all her toys. Mm -hmm. And now you're like best friends. Yep. And she goes, are you guys friends yet? She's like, she goes, no. not yet, baby. <laughs> uh, we see Veronica on a FaceTime call with Elizabeth. Uh, the spinning image of the woman from, uh, from the house at the beginning of the movie. Um, the entire conversation is extremely uncomfortable and racially charged. Mm-hmm. I love that color lipstick on you. Mm-hmm. She goes, it suits your skin tone. And then she goes, she comments on how she saw her on television and says, you were just so articulate. It's like... It's backhanded. Yes. It, mm-hmm. All of these are... It's very racially charged. And it... Ooh. Like, the whole time I'm like, you're fucking gross. Because it isn't... It isn't the comment about the lipstick that is so abhorrent. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that that was the first thing she said to her. Mm-hmm. And then immediately followed up with, you were so articulate. Yeah. Like, you're pretty and smart. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, that shouldn't be. Like, that's kind of... Oh, yeah, like that one person, like, oh, you you know who I'm talking about, too. Mm -hmm. The backhanded comments. Oh, that looks really pretty on you. You're really pretty for a fat girl. Exactly. Like, oh, okay. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Basically, Veronica is made to believe that Elizabeth is calling to discuss her new book, but Elizabeth wants to talk about everything but... Uh, we see Kennedy, Veronica's daughter, in the background, and Elizabeth gets all excited, saying how cute she is and how she'll make a perfect companion for her own daughter. That's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then, especially when we meet, <clears throat> but in even a bit. even if we didn't find that out, that like still that's be. still like a really uncomfortable comment. Yeah. Um, but Veronica moves the camera so her daughter is no longer in frame. I don't blame her. Uh, she explains that she's short on time, and Elizabeth creepily tells her to enjoy her summit, and she'll see her soon. So it's like, yeah, that's weird. This person who wants to talk about my book. And there's a whole comment in there where she goes, so how did you hear about my work? And she mentions that she saw her on TV. And then um, she goes, well, who exactly are you? And she's like, oh, I'm always looking for new talent. She goes, oh, so you're a headhunter. And she laughs and goes, oh, yeah, I'm the headhunter. Like, oh, God. Like, there's so many little comments. And I'm like, I don't want to slap this bitch. <laughs> But uh, Veronica goes, goes to leave, and Kennedy gives her a drawing of her family and an airplane. Veronica tells her that she loves it, and she'll hang it on the wall in her hotel room. This is going to be important later. The family says their goodbyes, and Veronica leaves. Cut to Veronica upside down and sweaty, 
we pan out to see she's doing hot yoga in her hotel room. Womp womp. Because <laughs> at first I was like, wait, what, what, are, are, we, are we back in the past? What's yeah. going on? Yeah. <laughs> then it was like, oh no, hot yoga. Okay. And that's such an effective thing too. <laughs> right. The way it just seamlessly goes from her being a slave mm-hmm. to her living as Veronica and then she leaves and it's it's only like you see her face. And it's dark again and yes. you see she has like the the same thing on her head that she had when she was sleeping in mm-hmm. the, and like earlier in the movie. Yeah. So it's like uh, uh, what's going on? Like so Yeah, her hair is wrapped. Mhm. Um Isn't there a name for that? I can never think there of the name. There is and I can't think that's of it. That's what I was it's that's called. I was like the thing. I can't think of the name of it. Uh but suddenly there's a pounding on the door demanding that Veronica opens it up. <laughs> And she has some tea to spill. Like, we don't know who this person is just yet. But we're going to meet her, and oh boy. She is a whirlwind. Veronica goes to answer, and we meet her friend Dawn. She's another writer and a life coach. The two catch up briefly until Veronica tells her that she's running late and has to get moving. Now, (laughs) she brings her coffee. Mm -hmm. Dawn brings in two coffees, and she's chatting and gossiping and all the talk. Well, first she asks about Kennedy and asks about Veronica. First she goes, why is it so hot in here? (laughs) And then, like, the yoga instructor is trying to get her stuff. She's like, okay, bye. (laughs) And again, she's like, why is it so hot in here? She's like, I'm trying to replicate Berkham yoga. I don't know. I don't do yoga. Some some basically hot yoga. Hot yoga. Yeah. And she's like, trying to create a relaxing environment. And she's like, girl, I got some tea to spill. And she's like, no, I normally would, but she's like, oh, okay, I see. I see how it is. Like, she got all offended. But now I have a comment here, though. Dawn tells her that she paid $74.93 for their coffee. I was like, fucking excuse me? What? She was exaggerating. I sure as hell hope so, because I'm like, I get it. You guys are in this fancy hotel and all that. Uh, but who the hell going to pay that much money for two cups I mean, of coffee? I could see that in New York City. That's a lot. Think of it like this too, because Nick asks her, asks Veronica before she does the FaceTime call, "Are we mm. vegan again this week?" Right. Oh, you so, know they're clearly wealthy, but my point is, like, even wealthy, who's paying forty dollars? Damn near forty bucks for a cup of coffee. No one's paying. I'll that. take your forty dollars <clears throat> and show you my tits. <laughs> I mean, that's in a shirt, but I'll still show you my tits. I'm like forty bucks for a fucking cup of coffee. What the hell? That's crazy. But, Maybe it's that, um, isn't there coffee that's made out of, like, poop? Oh, it's the, oh, was it a several? There, there's a certain little animal that eats the coffee beans and it can't fully digest them. Yeah. So then it, it poops out the coffee beans and they wash off the, the coffee beans and brew them. And it's supposed to be this, like, super smooth, like, non-acidy coffee because all of the acidy properties were removed in the thing's digestive tract. Yeah, so maybe it's poop coffee. Well, maybe. (laughs) But even back, even poop coffee, you used to be able to buy a bag of that for about 50 bucks, so... (laughs) Inflation. (laughs) That's a good point. Thanks, Obama. Four, four (laughs) Oh, shit. But This is the time to to make jokes, Yeah, this is actually the sequence where you can get a little levity. But they say their goodbyes and Dawn leaves. Before Veronica can even begin to get ready, there's another knock at the door. She thinks it's Dawn again, but finds a strange man with flowers. And I love it, because in the credits, he's actually titled Strange Strange Man Man with with Flowers. flowers. (laughs) He adds them over to her. She asks who they're from, and he just silently walks away. Veronica looks confused, but sets them down and begins to get ready. We see the card attached to the flowers says, Look forward to your homecoming, signed X. So I was like, hmm, who's that from? 
But Veronica heads down to the lobby, runs into her friend Sarah, another author, uh, who has a panel there as well. And she's the only white person we like. Yes, she's the only good white person in this movie. Yes. Um, she says uh, the, the panel that she's doing is called The Exorcism of the Unconscious Past. And then they repeat the quote from the beginning of the film, saying the past never dies, or the past is never dead, it's not even past. And then Veronica tells Sarah, Sarah? Yeah. Sarah. 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 Veronica tells Sarah, my Nana used to say our ancestors haunt our dreams to see themselves forward. So this is, again, where I'm like, and then Sarah says the unresolved past can certainly wreak havoc on the present. So I'm like, man, they're really trying to bury that twist. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) But Sarah heads to her panel, and Veronica uh, tries to make a reservation for dinner with the front desk, but the woman working at the desk is a real fucking bitch. Whoo! Her entire demeanor changes when she's talking with Veronica. It's it's not even just subtle, it's blatant. It's, she is blatant, yeah. Yeah, it's, oh, it's gross. But um, we see a woman getting uh, getting into Veronica's room via the housekeeper. She tells the housekeeper, oh, I forgot my key, can you let me in? Just this once. Yeah, so... That housekeeper should have been like, you need to go down to the concierge. <laughs> should have been like, you want fresh towel? <laughs> Sorry, I immediately, immediately thought of Tommy Boy. <laughs> I love that movie. See, I was thinking of, um... Oh, oh no. Consuela? Consuela. <laughs> oh, no, no, Superman, I'm not here. But <laughs> we find out that the woman is Elizabeth. Uh, she roots around in Veronica's room, tries on her lipstick... And then uh, we pan down to see the pin on her collar is the same symbol that Eden was branded with at the beginning of the movie. Um, she goes through, like, her mail and is, like, knocking it all over the place, you know. And then, like, we see the picture that Veronica's daughter drew for her, and she, like, runs her hand along it. And it's like, ugh, she's just gross. Nasty she, poop hands. <laughs> she had that, the, the, the gloves on. Yeah, she's got poop fingers. she got poop fingers. Um, right under her nails and everything. Oh! from drinking poop coffee. <laughs> See, I always question, I've told you before, those, the fake nails, I always question, how do you wipe properly? Like, it makes me, it, I call them poop nails. So you remember when Shane's cousin got married mm-hmm. in October and I did get coffin nails. Mm-hmm. I will tell you from experience, never again. <laughs> all, all ADLs were incredibly difficult, including... There were a couple times I had to ask Shane to snap my bra together for me because I just could not. And typing? Yeah. I don't. Well, I used to work with a woman who had the the long fingernails. And, like, they weren't super, super long. But when she would type, it was like, click it, click it, click it, click it. It drove me crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was. And granted, like, we don't type a lot in our job, but she would, like, do, like, a lot of stuff online, like, answer her emails because she didn't have internet at home. I thought you were going to say so. shop online. Well, she would do that, too. Oh. But, like, she would be... You remember Sue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she would be clicking and clacking on there. It was like, oof. Yeah, I don't don't recommend. For I me, anyway. I'm not a, not a fan. But, um... Especially, like, if you get the jewels on them. Right. Like, what if... What I'm if like, one you're going to hurt out? yourself. What if one falls out and goes up your pooper? Exactly. <laughs> Me. Then it's gonna lay. Then it's gonna lay jewel eggs. <laughs> You're gonna poop bedazzled turds. Howdy ho! <laughs> bedazzled Mister Hanky. Oh, this turned. This took a turn. <laughs> we needed it too, though. Oh, so Elizabeth leaves and turns the ticket on the door to "Do Not Disturb," so housekeeping won't go in there. Uh, cut to Veronica at her panel. Now, this I, I actually copied both of this quote down just because it's important. 
Um, she says that, uh, she goes, I learned very quickly that black people, black women in particular, were expected to be seen and not heard. Or we, r- we risk being perceived as threatening to the patriarchy. Or God forbid, we continue to get branded as the angry black woman. So the coping persona has been this mode of survival for generations of oppressed people. What I also learned through these experiences is within our authenticity lies our real power. And that's even within those environments which, by design, demand our complete and total assimilation. To the patriarchy, we're, we're practically invisible. But their arrogance is their greatest vulnerability and our greatest opportunity. That's going to be extremely important later. Mm-hmm. So the panel ends, and Veronica ends up talking to the host of the panel when Dawn comes over and interrupts, and I love it. She's like, oh, did I interrupt? Well, I'm going to continue to. <laughs> she just drags her away. And she goes, I can see her honing in on our dinner time, and I wasn't having it. <laughs> yep. I was cracking up. But <laughs> they discuss their plans for that night. Dawn wants to go to dinner and then dancing, but Veronica shoots that down, saying she only has time for dinner as she has a 6 a.m. flight. And she promised her daughter she would mm-hmm. take her to Katie's, somebody's birthday, birthday party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is what is Dawn call it? She's like, but I got ho-jinks I gotta get up to. <laughs> she, she goes, don't worry, we'll keep you abreast of all the ho-tivities. 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 But... You know, Dawn grumbles and tells her that's fine, and that her and Sarah will keep keep her up to, yeah, with all the hotivities, like I said. Uh, she then reminds Veronica to wear something nice to dinner, telling her, I want all eyes on us. I'm trying to fuck tonight. She's like, don't, don't be showing up in no mom jeans. <laughs> oh, God. But, so Veronica gets in the elevator to go up to her room, and the little blonde girl from the begin- beginning of the film gets in the elevator with her. Veronica tries to make small talk, and the girl tells her, shh, you'll get in trouble for talking. So that's just fucking eerie to begin with. First of all, a little girl in a hotel hallway is always going to be creepy. I don't care who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. always going to think of The Shining. Yep. But, uh, you know. Come play with us. Right. When she was like, shh, you'll get in trouble for talking. I'm like, is she ghost? Like, is she dead? She, she looks well, dead. She does. <laughs> But Veronica looks understandably creeped out and heads to her room. Now, when the little girl gets out of the elevator, she backs out of the elevator and we see that she has a black rag doll on a leash. And, and she just drags it behind like, her. Oh, what the fuck? Like, come on. But uh, And then as we as we find out who that little girl is, mm-hmm, it's it what makes... Sarah said about Kennedy being an excellent playmate mm-hmm. or companion. Even worse. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ. But uh, we cut to Veronica, Dawn, and Sarah on their way to dinner. There's this brief moment, I didn't write it down, but when Veronica gets off the elevator in her, like, lime green dress, and um, (laughs) I forget what Dawn says exactly, but she says, I said to look good, not to slay these bitches, (laughs) something like that. But I was like, yeah, that's, that's funny. So we see them on their way to dinner. Uh, Sarah and Don are talking about guys while Veronica texts her husband. The girls tease a, a teaser, wanting to know what she's smiling about. And Don goes, is it dick pics? And she just grabs her, her phone. phone. Because Nick is like, your titties out? And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but then they tease her about having the perfect marriage and, you know, getting like their fake vomiting and stuff like that. But Veronica, and I love it because the three of them are squeezed in the back of of an Uber, <laughs> and Don's in the middle of because <laughs> Don is Gabrielle Sibidi. Yeah, she's a big lady. 
But uh, Veronica thanks her husband for the flowers, and he responds telling her he wishes he could take credit, but they weren't from him. They must have been from one of her many admirers. She called it the unique artisanal Yeah. <laughs> so they arrive at the restaurant, and Don grabs Veronica saying, time to live in the present. And I'm like, yeah, that's not telling her anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they th- they're then showed to their table, which is right by the kitchen entrance, where all oh. the dirty dishes are being piled up. I love this, and Don's like, this... No. This, this ain't is, happening. This ain't happening. And I was like, and uh, Becky, I think you know why. <laughs> I could go back and forth all night with you, Becky, about why this isn't acceptable. And then she goes, you're going to seat us over here. Okay, thanks, Becky. <laughs> you're doing a great job. She fucking cracked me up throughout this whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Because... She doesn't want to give Becky the opportunity to try to shut her down. Right. Because then it's going to look like Becky's being racist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But my God, it was just fucking funny. And I love how Becky right away, because Becky had like menus in her hand, didn't she? Becky's gone and now it's like Francois or someone. (laughs) I'll be taking care of you ladies tonight. (laughs) She was like, I need an adult. She just ran off. But... So they sit down at their table, uh, cut to some time having passed, they're discussing their plans for after dinner, and Dawn is telling them how she has a man all lined up, and he even has a friend for Sarah. Sarah isn't too keen on this, stating that she feels like she's a little too grown for this. And she goes, okay, all right, I'm feeling a little blocked, but that's fine, because you're grown. Mm. (laughs) We have to mention that they ordered a very expensive bottle of champagne. Oh, yes, yes, they did. I forgot about that. So they, I I forget the name because I didn't write it down and I don't know anything about champagne. Other than it comes from the champagne area region in France. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I I do love this because after she goes, I feel a little bit blocked, you know, and that's fine because you're too grown. She goes, maybe I'll meet up with this guy and his friend some other time. Was this thing Jeffrey? Maybe I'll meet up with Jeffrey and his friend. Yeah, something like that. Some other time. (laughs) But Veronica then points out that a guy at the bar has been watching them this whole time. The waiter comes over with a drink sent specifically for Dawn. Then the man from the bar comes over to tell Dawn that he finds her stunning. She thanks him and then takes the chance to critique his game. (laughs) I would be remiss (laughs) if I didn't critique your game and she does like the finger finger wiggle (laughs) and she tells him i forget how she says it but like basically she tells him that any man should look over and know he should know what she's drinking yes so he should have asked the waiter what he was drinking Mm -hmm. because we are drinking champagne we're champagne ladies we're champagne ladies (laughs) and not send over a vodka cran she like shoes the shoes away the glass well like she taps she goes this uh was it vodka cran she's like so you would have bought us a bottle another bottle of champagne to share so she like pretty much dogs him mm-hmm. and then reaches in her cleavage and pulls out a card with her number and she's like but i'm gonna give you this because we're gonna fuck later yeah, she's like because you know this can happen yeah it's <laughs> like damn and then she's like bye-bye She's like, okay, good night. <laughs> he, the, the poor guy was like, what? So she's going to fuck me, but I don't know. What, what happened? Like, he looked so lost. Like, and again, Veronica I'm an adult. and Sarah are trying so hard not to cackle at the table. <laughs> well, and Sarah's like, she goes, why do you have to do him like that? She goes, you know why I had to do him like that. <laughs> and she goes, can we just talk about how he was like supernaturally fine? She goes, I'm cute too. <laughs> I love her reactions. <laughs> but... Veronica comments on how the hotel was horrible and her room wasn't even cleaned. 
And Sarah comments that that's strange because her service was impeccable. And Veronica and Dawn share a knowing look. Mm -hmm. Now, I get what they were getting at with that. But the reason her service was so shitty was because of Elizabeth. Right. So it's like, you know, she was, she was systematically fucking things up for her. But how does it explain when she tried to make the dinner reservations? Oh, that person was just horrible. Okay. But yeah, okay. she was talking because she said my room wasn't even cleaned. I don't expect turndown service. Okay. So. That makes, thank you for clarifying. Um, but yeah, that was just a racist, racist bitch. <laughs> but, um, so cut to the three women leaving for the night, commenting that they ordered Ubers and hate that they have to split up. A car pulls up and beeps. Veronica says her goodbyes, and they oh, get in the car. Selfies! Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it didn't happen if it didn't happen. <laughs> right. And then what, is, what does Dawn say? First time magic or something? Something like that. And they take, take the photo. But, you know, this is something, and this is, I don't take Ubers, so I don't know how fucking common this is. But a car just pulled up and beeps. And there's a bunch of loud music playing. And she just assumes it's her Uber and we gets get a, in. You get a message. But that's what I'm saying. I figured, yeah, there had to be something. She didn't even check. She just got in her car. And oh. isn't it like, I've never <clears> taken an Uber <throat> or Lyft or anything like that, but don't you get, like, the license plate of the car that's coming to pick you up as well? You're supposed to, yeah. But that's what I'm saying, because she didn't check anything. She just got in the car, because later she gets a call from, yeah. from the, the Uber, Uber driver. driver. Yeah. Um, so Don and Sarah get into their Uber, and Don immediately starts aggressively flirting with the driver while Sarah texts Veronica all about their shenanigans. She's, like, trying to play with his stick shift. <laughs> she kept grabbing on him. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, is it too much? Is it too much? But in Veronica's car, she gets a phone call from her Uber driver wanting to know where she is. Uh, they tell her that they're waiting outside the restaurant, but Veronica says, I'm already in my Uber. And she's like, no, I'm outside the restaurant. And she's like, no, 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 there's, there's a mistake. I'm already in my Uber. She's like, all right, whatever, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Just like... You do you, boo. But uh, she gets off the phone and asks the driver to turn down the music. We see in the rearview mirror that it's Elizabeth, and she's putting on Veronica's lipstick. Elizabeth smiles and tells her, uh, turns out this color does look nice on me. Suddenly, Jasper jumps out of the back of the van, grabs Veronica. She screams and tries to fight back. We see her friends in the Uber drive past her as she struggles. Because the windows are down and they're rocking out to some sweet music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then we, and the whole time we see Veronica fighting. Mm -hmm. And then Jasper grabs her by the head and bashes her into the window, leaving a fucking blood smear. Like, yep. he hit her hard and knocks her out. And this is where Act 2 ends. So what are you guys thinking? Well, it's a little bit more uplifting because of the segments with Don. But then right. It ends with a bang. It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, it, it goes right back to being intense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so. I also want to point out, and mm -hmm. I only noticed this yesterday when I watched it the second time, when the Ubers are driving down the street, painted on the side of the building mm -hmm. is, like, a vote for the senator. I didn't see that. Yeah. So vote for Senator Dutton? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I paused oh, it for a second because I was like, is that a Better Call Saul thing? <laughs> okay, that, see, I didn't even, yeah. I didn't even see that. I, that's, a, that's a tiny detail I did not pick up until I watched it a second time. Okay. I'll have to, well, I don't know when I'll watch this again, but. <laughs> yeah, give yourself I'm, some time, or just fast forward to it. Yeah, I was going to say. Fast forward to the part at dinner. Right. And then stop watching it at the end of Act 2. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's too much. Zach 3 is really buckle Oof. buckle up, buckaroos. Yeah, because this sequence is rough. I mean, oh. we get some good stuff, but it's rough. But Act 3, uh, Veronica wakes up in the slave cabin as a phone rings. The general gets up and walks outside to his horse, where we see a cell phone is ringing in one of the saddlebags. 
He answers the phone. We don't hear a lot of what the other... We don't hear what the other person is saying, but the general says the arrangements are already being made. He's like, I got it fucking handled! Yeah, he goes, now look, the ballot box will go our way, and the court will follow one way or another. Veronica watches and listens silently from the window. Uh, the general is complaining... <laughs> The general's complaining about seeing Veronica's husband and daughter on the news and tells her, uh, uh, tells whoever it is on the line, I will take care of it. So now we're like, oh shit, like this is happening now in present day. Mm-hmm. Um, so Veronica quickly gets back in bed and feigns being asleep as the general comes back inside and smokes a cigar. He grumbles to himself, they will never take you away from me. Because he so, walks in and first he's like, Eden? Mm-hmm. Eden, and she's like laying there. And again, immediately tense right off the bat because she's laying there crying, mm-hmm. trying, trying to not silent. to shake and trying not to do that breathing mm-hmm. that you do when you're scared. It's like, oh, fuck. So, but yeah, this is the turning point of the movie. This is the point where it's like all the pieces fall into place and mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit. Like, this is happening in modern day. This yeah. isn't the Civil War. Um. So the next day we see Veronica greasing the hinges on the door once again and practicing which board she can step on not to make any noise in the cabin. But she keeps fucking up. She keeps standing, on, stepping on the ones that are making noise. She gets frustrated, balls up the blanket, bites down on it, and screams in frustration. We pan outside and see the slaves working and the burning shed burning bodies once more. Is this the part where we see what the etching on the wall is? Not yet. Not yet? It's, okay. it's during the escape. Okay. Um... Cut to Veronica working in the fields with the other slaves. Jasper comes up pissed off, wanting to know where Julia is. He tells Veronica to go find her. He says, I told her not to make a habit of this. He's like, go find her. Veronica runs to Julia's cabin, and we find her dead, having hung herself to escape the horrors of the plantation. Now, this, uh, there's some some trivia on this. But apparently the reason this was in the film is because this was a, unfortunately, a common occurrence during slavery Mm -hmm. where pregnant women would hang themselves to avoid having their children being born into slavery well i mean sherry miscarried though yeah but But, i mean yeah that's the whole point yeah yeah she killed her but the reason they put that method of of death is like it's it's brutal yeah but uh we cut to veronica looking exhausted working in the field with the others a plane flies overhead they all glance up and then get back to work Veronica softly tells Eli, tonight, we go tonight. So, I think, did I miss the part? No, okay. So yeah, this whole sequence, like, if we hadn't figured out, you know, already that this was present day and all the pieces are falling into place, seeing the plane fly overhead is just like, you know, there's freedom, but so far away. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck, man. And here is where it clicks, like, oh shit, this is a super fucked up version of the village. Mm-hmm. But uh, we cut to Veronica once again feeling something etched into the wall of the cabin. She steals herself for what she has to do and prepares. That night, once the general's asleep, Veronica fucking yoga flips over his ass (laughs) onto the silent floorboards. And this is where we see what she's been running her hand along. She's etched the drawing that her daughter made into the wall, like under the table. Mm -hmm. Um, She quietly makes her way to the door and sneaks out while he sleeps. She meets Eli outside. They grab the cell phone from the saddlebags, but before they can attempt to make a phone call, Daniel and his asshole buddy Purcell come walking up drunkenly. They drop the phone and are forced to run and hide. Daniel, so, and, oh good. When they like 
because they're bickering yeah. for a moment, but then they like stop and hug. And they're like, "Hey!" It reminds me of that scene in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> I love that sequence. But Daniel and his buddy find the phone and discuss the rules about no cell phones. They then hear something nearby and go to investigate. We see Veronica and Eli hiding in the tall grass to avoid being seen. Purcell, Daniel's friend, you know, pokes him in the back, scaring him. Being like, I'm going to go back to my cabin. He wanders off on his own, leaving Daniel to stand alone in the field. Daniel just stands there vaping and looking at the moon. So this is the other thing. It's like he fucking pulls out a vape. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, okay. Um, But he goes to take a piss and Eli sneaks up behind him and just says, Daniel. He turns and Eli fucking slashes his throat with an axe. It's like, fuck yeah. Yep. (laughs) Finally. And then Veronica steals the phone from him. Eli tells her, if I don't make it, the world has to find out about this place. This has to end tonight. Veronica tells them that there's cell service at the cabin, and they head back over. They try to call 911, but the call is choppy and is ultimately dropped. They realize they need to unlock the phone so they can send their location, and they need uh, they need the general's face to unlock Which, it. Which, if a call drops on 911, I'm pretty sure they're supposed to call you right back. Probably. I mean, I'm sure, but I know well, got but, she but, also didn't know where she was. Well, the service is crappy out there. They could try and call back. It still won't go through. Yeah. Okay. And there's a the whole thing of she needed to be able to send a pin, and you need right. to do that in text. And, yeah. So, and <clears throat> you can't send an emergency text, you know. Okay. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. they sneak inside the cabin, but the Why gen- can't they triangulate the cell phone towers? Oh, there you go. That's what they, that's what they <laughs> do on... Zoom! <laughs> That's what they do on all the, the, the cap TV shows. Well, they're not going to do that for a basic random call. Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, that person's crazy. I mean, no, they'll do that in a murder or some kind of right. investigation. They're not going to do it. She should have said I call. killed someone. <laughs> well, they couldn't hear her anyways. Well, not yet she didn't. <laughs> I mean, Eli did. But. So they sneak inside the cabin, but the general is awake and attacks them. They fight back, but ultimately the general kills Eli with the axe. Veronica attacks the general, hitting him with a teapot, and then steals his sword and runs outside. He, gra- he grabs the axe and goes after her, and the moment he steps outside yelling Eden, she stabs him in the side with the sword, and she yells, my name is Veronica. Yep. He falls to the ground, bleeding. Uh, she grabs the phone and forces him to look into it. I love it. She's like, look into it, motherfucker. Open your eyes. Like, I was like, she, like, yes! tries, she like forces him open. Yeah, I, well, I was like, finally, this guy's getting his fucking comeuppance. Um, but she, she gets the phone unlocked. She calls her husband and he understandably freaks out wanting to know where the hell she is. She tells him that she's going to send him a pin and to get to the police or get it to the police. Uh, the call is then dropped and she sends the pin just, just in the nick of time. Like basically it's, it's not going through, not going through and you hear people moving and then it clicks. And so, um, she pull she goes and pulls down the Confederate flag, wraps the general in it. And drags his ass to the burning shed. Yep. Uh, Veronica gets a torch, and suddenly Jasper and another soldier pop out of the darkness, wanting to know what the fuck is going on. Veronica quickly pretends that the general is hurt and begs them to come quick. So, again, this is where the whole, their arrogance is their biggest vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so she tricks them into the burning shed, locks the door behind them. They scream for her to open the door. She shushes them and then lights the burning shed up as the fuckers scream inside. Stop. Finally. Yes. <laughs> stop messing with us. Let us out of here. Like, hey, now come on, stop fooling around. Yep. 
It's like, fuck Ooh, you. No. But I love the shot. Again, we keep talking about how visually striking this movie is. The shot of her walking straight at the camera, holding the torch with the mm-hmm. burning shed just fucking ablaze. <laughs> it's yep. like, um, what's that movie with Angela Bit? Is it How Stella Got Her Groove Back? That iconic shot where she like blows up a car and then throws the keys in the I haven't seen that movie away. since it was in the theater. So I, don't... I haven't either, but that's what kind of what it reminded me of. It, to me, it kind of had crow vibes. <laughs> the big burning yes, crow. Yes, okay. <laughs> and him just walking away. Um, but yeah, so she burns them motherfuckers. Uh, she then steals the general's horse and tries to escape. Soldiers chase after her on horseback, shooting at her. And I love how, like, they went from fucking muskets to they got, like, AR-15s. Because they're, they're, like, fucking firing at her. One thing we didn't mention, very early in the sequence of her life with mm. her, her husband, we see a mon I'm not a montage, but we see all the photos that mm. she has. She's an equestrian. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't mention that. I forgot So that's about that. how she's such a good rider. Yeah, she knows exactly how to ride the horse. Um, dude, shit, if I were, if that were me, I'd be fucked. I was thrown off I'd be horse. like, get up, come on. <laughs> but then, come on, pony, let's go. I don't have a carrot. <laughs> Just be like, ah, oh, my back. Um, but yeah, I love, like, she, so she's galloping through the, through the woods. Like, the, the horse is leaping over roots and shit. I love how the one soldier that's chasing after her, shooting her, or shooting at her, his horse just stops short of the roots and throws his ass, and he just face plants into a tree like, mm-hmm. like this. it reminded me of the fucking biker scout in Return of the Jedi that just hits the tree. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Um, but we then see Elizabeth chasing after her, screaming for Eden as she shoots. Veronica hides, and Elizabeth comes to a clearing where she calls out for her, saying, "You're not going to get out of here alive. Now, why can't you just accept that? Accept who you are." I'm like, "Oh, I fucking hate this bitch." Yep. But she continues to taunt Veronica, saying, you think you're better than us. You're not better than me, you fucking cunt. It's like, she's just, she's out for blood at this Mm -hmm. point. Elizabeth goes on to explain that her father was the one that wanted Veronica. That Elizabeth had handpicked everyone except for her. She says that she warned him that she wasn't worth the risk. But he just had to have her. She then says, and like always, it's up to a woman to clean up the mess of a man. She screams for Eden to come out, and we see the general. I love this because the general's horse trots out like, "Who me?" Like, <laughs> I know. And Elizabeth is while she's distracted by the horse, Veronica lassos her around the neck and yanks her ass off the horse. So Veronica's getting choked, or I'm sorry, Veronica is choking Elizabeth, but Elizabeth pulls a knife out and stabs Veronica. The two tumble around on the ground and begin fighting. Elizabeth gets the upper hand and stabs Veronica in the shoulder. Oh, but then Veronica gets the upper hand and she fucking beats the snot out of Elizabeth. I wrote, she fucking yoga flips that bitch like a pancake. Yep. Because <laughs> she did. She like wrapped her legs and was like, alley-oop. Yep. <laughs> Just flipped her ass. But yeah, and then Veronica, oh, when she pummeled, like every punch was like, fuck yeah, fuck yeah, hit her again. <laughs> But she uh, she beats the crap out of her. She then hears the men coming in the distance, so she hops on the horse with the rope still around Elizabeth's throat and takes off, dragging that bitch behind her. Good. And Elizabeth is, like, grabbing at the rope and screaming. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly... <laughs> best fucking death. This is the best fucking death <laughs> in the movie. You see smack into something, like, concrete. Right into the corner. Right, right into the corner. Like, burp. And then she's just laying there, and Veronica gets off the horse, and it's a giant-ass statue of Robert E. Lee. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that was such a good death. It really was. Yeah, I was, was like, sure the was. best death in the movie. Perfect. <laughs> but Veronica, you know, she rides out onto a battlefield. Now, this is where we get, it's all silent. It's just, just the music playing. And it's gone from, like, 3 a.m., so this has gone on for a while, because yeah. now the sun is up. Yeah, it's, 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 which is weird, because when we get outside, there's a whole hell of a lot of people out there for it being, like, that early in the morning. This is that time moves weird in film type of thing. Um, Not just that, but war waits for no one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but so she she rides out uh, in, onto what looks to be a battlefield, uh, where we see men dressed in North and South uniforms fighting. She rides past them, screaming, and out into what looks to be a fairground. Uh, we see the soldiers from the plantation watch in fear as she escapes. Cop cars begin flooding into the area. We see that it's a Civil War reenactment park called Antebellum. People are taking pictures of her on the horse with their cell phones. Mm-hmm. We pan up, we see another plane fly by, um, and then as the credits roll, we see scenes of the FBI surrounding the park, talking to or taking info from the captives, and eventually bulldozing the site. The end. So it does, that, that end moves real fucking fast. Yes. And while it is satisfying to see Elizabeth get her fucking comeuppance... It was not, uh, it, like, I feel like there needed to be a little bit more. Like, you know? maybe five more minutes. Yeah. Like, give, give me another five, ten minutes of, like, <clears throat> you know, well, Veronica explaining stuff. It was better than the Cersei death in Game of Thrones. I don't see Game of Thrones. Oh, I agree. <laughs> she should have got far worse than what she got. Yeah. Well, that's the problem when you have really bad villains. Like, you want them to, like... You want them to suffer. You want them to die, like... Five times. Right. It's yes. <laughs> like you really... Five different kinds of deaths. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it's rare that we get a, a good comeuppance for these motherfuckers. Yeah. Um, but there's not, not a ton of, of trivia. Um, this uh, is Janelle... Was it Monet? How do you say last name? Monet? Janelle Monet. Janelle Monet. This was her first lead role, um, which, I mean, she's definitely got a good career ahead of her. Oh, yeah. Because she's well, fucking talented. Well, she's also well. a really good singer, so... Yeah, but she's really fucking talented. With, with acting. Um, it's a, the, uh, Gerard Bush says that he got the idea from a nightmare he once had. Uh, he initially thought it would be a good basis for a short story, but he later developed it with co-director Christopher Renz into a screenplay for this film. So the whole thing was based on a nightmare. Um, the, also, the butterfly motif on the posters is an intentional hom- uh, homage to the butterfly effect and to Silence of the Lambs. So the butterfly effect thing definitely makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I already mentioned the thing about Julia's miscarriage and the, the hanging and all that just, oof, that's a little bit of history on that. Um, and then Maurice was mentioning that, uh, you know, Jordan Peele didn't have direct involvement in this, you know, it was just a producer, but they leaned heavily on it for the, uh, the advertising campaign. And also the, uh, there's a couple other people who work on it who have worked with him on like Get Out. And- yeah. Get Out. And, and it was, uh, Sean, was it McKittrick? Yes. Yeah, Sean McKittrick. Not Sean S. Cunningham. No, not Sean. <laughs> um, uh, Raymond Mansfield and Sean McKittrick. Yep. But uh, but no, it's I don't know. I thought final thoughts on this movie. It's 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 a really well made film. A really well made film. God, I couldn't speak there for a second. All my words stopped. <laughs> but, it, it's intense. It is very intense. Yeah. Um, and I am happy to say that uh, our next movie is nowhere near as intense. So, I mean... <laughs> Three out of five this month have yeah. been tough. Well, that was, that was, like I said, serial killer month. It's the only time we had another one that hard because 
Serial Killer Month, we had Henry and uh, whatever the Bundy one was. The, With Zac Efron. Yeah, the very long title. Yeah. <laughs> Something wicked, evil, and vile. Like, Something wicked and evil and vile this way comes and pukes on your face. Exactly. And then we had the My Friend Dahmer, which while has its moments of levity because of funny stuff like the cum pit, um, <laughs> is also disturbing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think we're going we're gonna to try to wrap this one up here because I feel like we're all spent at this yeah. point. Um, so our social media, for those of you not following us yet, we are the Boogeyman's Closet on both Facebook and Instagram. Maurice handles our Twitter. And what is that good, sir? At Boogeyman's the... Thank you very much. Uh, we do have a Patreon. It's $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes. Uh, the higher tiers will get you stuff like art in the mail and a chance to uh, pick a birthday episode, things like that. Uh, we are part of the Rad Pantheon Network, so if you like this podcast, check out radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials for other podcasts like this and just a lot of cool artists and musicians doing rad stuff. Uh, for anyone who likes to watch our next movie before we cover it, episode 172, we'll be wrapping up our month of black-directed horror with Bones from, what is it, 2000 or 2001? I think 2000. Let me consult the Bones. No, we'll wait till next week. <laughs> but yeah, so we are finally done with our intense horror. And I promised next month there'll be a lot more levity. <laughs> So, but, all right, guys, with that, we're going to say goodbye. So, as always, this is Mike saying goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned. Thank you.